How are you this morning? Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to jump into the Word in just a minute here. Um, what an awesome time we had last week with our water baptisms, 36 people, amen, water baptized. <laughs> Praise God. I announced in first service that we're going to open up. Uh, next week, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. If you wanted to get water baptized and couldn't, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. There were some people we just couldn't do anymore in those two services, but we don't want you to wait. So if you still want to get water baptized, we're going to open it up. We're going to do it after a second service. Like after this service, we would just get the tank open and water baptize you, and we'll, we can all still linger along and uh, just be part of that. But if you uh, are wanting to do that, next week we'll have a sign-up sheet out. I encourage you to sign up. We'll see how many we have and when we can do it, and we won't make you wait until the next time. So... The next time is coming back, and um, just a great thing. We are in Ephesians chapter 4. If you remember before um, we got into our water baptisms, that uh, on the New Year's I did a sermon out of Ephesians 4, and it talked about ridding ourselves of some things, and we talked about New Year's resolutions, and we learned that our resolutions don't tend to stand. In fact, if you've made any, you've probably broken them already. And that's okay. But when we resolve to do the things that God asks us to do in his word, we're going to have success because the Holy Spirit is going to see us through and bring us to completion. Amen. So we are in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 25 here. And over the next weeks, God willing, we're going to look at some spiritual improvements that the Lord wants us to make in 2024. How many like to see the things you have improve? Amen. Your house doesn't look so good. You trim the bushes. You paint the front door. It looks nice. Your body doesn't look good. You lose a few pounds. You suck it in a little bit. You buy some black clothes. <laughs> I blew it this morning. I got a white shirt. So if I'm looking chubby, I blew it. But we like to see improvements. Amen. And God wants to make improvements in his people because he loves us and he's committed to us. And he's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. God is not trying to make a better version of Rick. Rick is totally bankrupt and default, and there's no, there's no redeeming. No, he's conforming me into the image of Christ. He's conforming you into the image of Christ. And though the spiritual improvements he calls for in our lives here out of Ephesians 4, uh, when we partner with the word, the Holy Spirit works them into our lives. So, Father, we thank you for Ephesians 4. We thank you for spiritual improvements you want to see in your people. And we thank you, Lord God, that by the Holy Spirit, we are going to not only hear these things and learn the principles, but we're going to see them come to pass in our lives because you are busy at work in your children and you are making us look like Jesus. We decide to partner with you in that, Lord, and submit ourselves to the process we ask that you would do a great work in us in this year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. Listen, therefore, ridding yourself. Remember, it's ridding ourselves, not by our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit. We can't rid ourselves really of anything. In fact, we usually get worse. But it says here, ridding yourselves of falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Verse 28, the one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that, so that you will give grace to those who hear. Now, if you're trying to figure out which week these are going to happen in so you could be absent for some of them, I might just mix them up and go out of order. But let no unwholesome word, wow, that's something for all of us. I don't know about you, but that little hole just below my nose creates a lot of problems for me. Amen. Listen to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So powerful principles here tucked in Ephesians 4 for us. Uh, There are many self There are many spiritual improvements in there that God wants to work into us, and we're going to, by the grace of God, explore them. But verse 25 is where we're starting, and the first thing it says to rid ourselves of is falsehood. Say falsehood. Falsehood. Ridding ourselves of falsehood, speak the truth, each one of you with his neighbor, because we are all parts of one another. So showing an interconnectedness there of the body of Christ the first item that has got to go, the first self-improvement the Holy Spirit wants us to make is to rid ourselves of falsehood. Now, falsehood is not a, a word that we say to describe what's being described here very much anymore, but there is a name for people who constantly traffic in falsehoods, and they are referred to as liars. Have you ever met any liars? We live in a lying generation. People lie without conscience. They lie without consequence. They lie. We elect people to office, and they are lying liars who lie through their lie holes consistently. It's just amazing. We're not even shocked by it anymore. Oh, you know all that stuff I said? I lied. And now I'm going to do the opposite of what I said, and you're just going to take it. Liars, if you've ever suffered Uh, under the lies of someone that you trusted who spoke a falsehood to you, who made you promises they had no intentions of keeping. We understand that lying is a painful experience to be lied to. There's a sense that you've been deceived, that you've been played, and it's not a good feeling. The word tells us to rid ourselves of falsehood. The stats are staggering for our culture, for the world that we live in. Sadly, lying seems to be normal to the point where it's almost accepted in our society. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, stats showing lying is a way of life for most people in our generation. Most people lie consistently, constantly, and without any fear of judgment. 91% of those surveyed said they routinely lied about matters that were trivial. Think about that. It's not even important. You didn't have to lie, but you just lied because that's what you felt like doing. 
lie about important things. 86% lie regularly to their parents. So I don't don't know, young people, uh, I don't know if it's gotten any better or any worse, but sometimes telling your parents the truth is the hardest thing. And 86% of young people lie to their parents. 75% of people lie to their friends. 73% lie to their siblings. And 69% of those surveyed lie regularly to their spouses. Now, just look straight ahead if you're married (laughs) and entertain with me just a second that 70% of what's coming out of your spouse's mouth may not be the truth. Now, I hope that that's not true here at Full Gospel Center, but these are some statistics to consider. We've all heard lies before. We hear them every day. You know, some of the lies we hear sound like this. Well, the check's in the mail. Uh, Or I'll start my diet tomorrow. That one hurts a little bit, doesn't it? We service what we sell, and then you buy something and it breaks, and when you show up, they want to know why you're there. Money cheerfully refunded. Have you ever seen a sign like that? Just a lie. Here's a big one. Leave your number and the doctor will call you right back. (laughs) Want to hear another lie? It's on your clothing. One size fits all. (laughs) No, it don't. It does not. Here's one last lie I want to cover this morning. We all heard it on infomercials. This offer is limited to the first 100 callers. No, they'll take any sucker's money that dares to call in. But we hear lies all the time. People lie to us. Commercials lie to us. The TV lies to us. The billboards lie to us. We're used to it. We don't even flinch. The government lies to us. We've been lied to so much during the COVID pandemic that now they're walking back the lies and admitting that they lied to us. And they're, they're almost laughing about it. They have no fear of prosecution or discipline or anything. Yeah, that was probably big government there sent a satellite to knock my water over. They're like, he's, he's pulling the wool off the line. But they lied to us. Do you know they just admitted that the six-foot rule had nothing to do with science? It was entirely made up. The whole mass thing lied. And so, look, if you don't know that we've been lied to at this point, you're the problem. but we've gotten so used to being lied to that we don't even flinch anymore. And after we're lied to, we're like, oh, well, you know, I guess they lied to us. Do you know, some people you're not allowed to lie to, it's a felony, it's a crime, but they can lie to us. Kind of interesting the way the rules are set up about lying. Here's the problem. Lying, no matter how the world spins it, no matter how the world looks at it, no matter how many glasses I break in my introduction... Lying is a sin, S-I-N, sin. It is a violation of the ninth commandment, and Exodus 20 puts it very bluntly. In verse 16, it says this, you shall not, thou shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Very simple. You don't need to do a Hebrew word study. You don't need to look into the background. You don't don't need to do anything to dig in there. You shall not bear false witness. What does that mean? Lie. You shall not bear false witness 
against your neighbor. That's Im- that word neighbor is important. We're going to come back to that at the end of the message and uh, extract a point from there. But lying is prohibited. And the commandment is very clear. Lying is a sin. And when people lie, it's a sign of bad character. It is totally inconsistent with Christian living. And here's why. Because lying reveals a person's true spiritual alignment. Do you hear what I just said? Lying reveals a person's true spiritual alignment. John 8, 43 answers the question of how it does this. Jesus is saying here, why do you not understand what I'm saying? He's talking to the religious crowd and they just never could get what he was saying. He, He says, why do you not understand what I am saying? Is it because you cannot listen to my word? You are of your father, the devil. Here's Jesus winning friends and influencing people. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks of his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. When we lie, we show who we really align with. The devil is a liar. Our father in heaven is not a liar. He is truth in every way. There is no lie in him. He's 100% truth, our God is. Come on, church, wake up. So if I say I'm a Christian, yet I I traffic in falsehoods and I I routinely lie, I align myself more with the devil than I do with God because the devil is a liar and God is truth. So lying reveals our true spiritual alignment. And that says a lot. And if we find ourselves in a place where we traffic in falsehoods, we need to do some soul searching. We need to get on our knees before God and be brought back into alignment with the truth. I want to just say a couple things about lies. We're going to look at different types of liars, but when it comes to lies, there are no little white lies and there are no big fat lies. You know, when people say, well, you know, it's just a little white lie. It's just a little half truth. You know, the devil traffics in half truths. He loves half truths. In fact, he takes a little bit of truth and he mixes it with a lie and, and, and it goes down smooth and we think it sounds right. And sometimes it sounds spiritual, but it's deception. And when we swallow it, it poisons us spiritually. So there are no little white lies and there are no big fat lies. There are just lies and all lying is sin. Now, having said that, there are five different kind of liars that we're going to look at this morning. Turn to, turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to look at liars. Uh, not suggesting anything, just... But there are five kind of liars I want to look at this morning. Now, obviously, that's nobody who goes to Full Gospel Center. This must be at some other place. But the first type of person who lies is this, the person who will lie to avoid an uncomfortable truth. Have you ever been asked a question that you did not want to answer? Hello? Someone asks you a question, does this make me look fat? Does this look good on me? Do you know how fast you were going? And you don't want to answer. The problem is when you're married, you can't take the fifth. When your wife asks you a question and you don't want to answer, you can't say, counsel has uh, told me to take the fifth. But she comes out, which shoe, this shoe or this shoe? 
This shoe? Or this shoe? My wife learned a long time ago that I tell the truth when it comes to stuff like that. If she asks me how something looks, how the dress, how the shoe, I tell the truth. Now, I found that telling the truth about these things cuts down the questions. <laughs> but also, she doesn't have to second guess. Is he just telling me that to make me go away? Or does he? Re- no, I, I think you know when I, you ask me, I tell you the truth. Everybody looks uncomfortable now. <laughs> Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. So. <laughs> There are people who will lie because they don't want to tell the truth in a situation because it's uncomfortable. How does this make me look? Do you know what you're, you know? And, and we get into these situations and, you know, we would rather not answer, but we've got to learn to tell the truth in love. Because if people think that we are telling them just what they want to hear because it's uncomfortable for us, or we have no integrity and our word means nothing. Your spouse needs to be able to trust you. Your boss needs to be able to trust you. Your brothers and sisters in the Lord need to be able to trust the words of your mouth. That when you're asked a question, even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, that you and I are going to tell the truth that we're not going to traffic in falsehoods. Amen. So there is a person and they'll lie. They're not liars. They don't lie all the time. But when it's uncomfortable, they may lie in a pinch. Number two, there's the type of person that will lie when they are cornered and fear exposure. Some people will never lie until you corner them about something. Some people will never lie until you confront them about an issue. Where they, Have you ever been confronted by somebody and they, they got you? You're busted. You're cornered. Come on. And nobody wants to make eye contact with me. They're like no, but they, they got you. You're, you're busted. Maybe they got you on camera. Maybe they, you know, and all of a sudden, they're there. did you do this? Don't you hate when people ask you questions they know the answer to? And you're cornered. And now some people would, that would never think of lying, that would never consider themselves liars, when they're cornered and they're about to be exposed and it's embarrassing, they will lie. There are some things that none of us want exposed in our lives. There are some questions none of us really want to answer. There are some things that should be just between us and God. But when push comes to shove and we're shoved in the corner, some of us will lie to avoid exposure. Number three, the person who lies to puff themselves up in the eyes of others. Now, all of us have met people like this. They always got a story to tell. They always got a tall tale to spin. They always got some self-aggrandizing story. There I was, surrounded on all eight sides. Gun was empty. Knife was dull. Surrounded by the Viet Cong. You're not even old enough for Vietnam. What are you talking about? You know, when they tell these stories, I used to know people, maybe you know people too, they would tell these stories that were so wild, they were like Star Trek episodes. There's no way that that's true, dude, that you're lying. You knew they were lying. They knew you were lying. Everybody was lying. They're like... And these people tell these stories, what? To puff themselves up, to make them sound like more than, you know, they're more than they are, to to put themselves over you. We've known people like this. Hopefully, we're not people like this. But I want to say something about the person who lies to puff themselves up. That person is not 
to be despised. They, they are not to be, you know, somehow. You have to understand with the eyes of God and look through what they're doing and see they are the most insecure people you're ever going to meet. They're broken. They don't feel good about themselves. They're hurting. And they're willing to lie. And they're willing to say things that are not true so that you'll think something about them that they don't feel about themselves. Now, we've looked at three types of liars there. The liar that will lie when it's uncomfortable, lie when they're about to be exposed, lie to puff themselves up, to, to, to make themselves seem like more than they are because they're insecure. The fourth type of liar is a much more dangerous liar. And it's sinister. The person who will lie to manipulate others. We've probably all felt this and been in contact with people. If you've never experienced someone who's lies to you to manipulate you, consider yourself very blessed. But those of us who have been around the block and lived a little bit, we've been around people who lie to us to control us, to control our behavior, to manipulate us. And the person who lies to control another person is a, a, a type of liar that is more sinister and more dangerous. Why? Because they're not just trying to, you know, get out of a situation or to cover themselves or to, or, you know, get away from embarrassment. No, they have an agenda that includes controlling another human being. And that's evil. You know, the Bible says that those who try to manipulate others actually operate in a spirit of witchcraft. Witchcraft is control and manipulation, and they want to control your behavior. And the person who lies to control another is someone that needs to be identified and confronted. If you are around people that are trying to control you and they're willing to lie to do it, you need to confront them and, if possible, separate yourselves from them. They are morally bankrupt and they are spiritually dangerous and you need to pray for their salvation. It's quiet here this morning. You think, well, you know, maybe I was one, a little bit of the first three categories, but I'm not number four. Well, let's go to number five because that's the worst of all. <laughs> now, I want you to see what everything is ramping up here because of the nature of sin. Sin has a downward spiral of a nature. When we give ourselves over to sin, we might start off at first just crossing the line, just kind of the tip of the iceberg, but sin never stays static. It always grows. And when the sin of lying grows, it metastasizes to the point where it takes a hold of us to the point where now we'll lie to avoid uncomfortable situations. We'll lie to avoid exposure. We'll lie to puff ourselves up in the eyes of others. We'll lie to manipulate people. And then finally, Finally, number five, we become what is called a pathological liar. That lying becomes part of our pathology, that it's something that we do reflexively, even without thinking, it becomes habitual. We become pathological, habitual liars. And that's the final level of the downward spiral of the lying of sin. A pathological per liar is a person who compulsively lies without a clear motive for doing some. Even though their lies tend to become more and more elaborate and detailed and are easily identified as lies, they continue lying even when they know people know that they are lying. Wow. Pathological liars destroy themselves. They destroy their relationships. They, they destroy their own credibility and they destroy their own souls. 
If we allow lying to grip us, eventually it will spiral down to where it becomes our pathology, where we reflexively do it without thinking about things that don't matter, and we are in serious spiritual decay. Revelation 21.8 warns that if we are caught up in the sin of lying and we refuse to rid ourselves from it, lying will bring with it eternal consequences. Listen to Revelation 21.8. I want you to pay attention of the list here that is cited in Revelation 21. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. Does that sound like a group anybody wants to be listed among? No. And the last crowning jewel of this group and all liars. Now listen to this again. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Lying that takes a grip on a person's soul and becomes pathological to the point where they do it reflexively with no conviction, with no shame, with no repentance, will have an eternal consequence attached to it. And they're listed here, liars are, with the worst of sinners. And God's saying there is eternal judgment to face. Why? Because the person who lies like this has aligned themselves with their true spiritual father, the devil. And we're supposed to be like our father in heaven. We're supposed to be like Jesus. That's why lying has no place in the life of the believer. Now, John 8.31 shows the truth that when we love the truth, and and loving the truth is what delivers us from giving ourselves over to lies because we've got to love the truth more than we love the lie. But the truth brings liberty and authenticity to a believer's life. If we will stop trafficking in falsehoods and start living the truth, that's going to bring freedom. That's going to bring liberty to our lives. There's no more isolated, lonely person than a person that has surrounded themselves in a web of lies that they have to keep up on. Do you ever notice about a liar, they have to keep lying and the lies get bigger and bigger. And sometimes, you know, liars can never keep track of their lies. And it's getting quieter and quieter. Come on, liberty comes from trafficking in the truth and rejecting the falsehood. Spiritual authenticity is shown in that, you know, we love the truth. It says here in John 8, 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you truly are my disciples. Listen, true discipleship, verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why God wants us to be delivered from falsehoods, to be delivered from lying, not only because it has the potential to be destructive to our soul, but because the truth will bring liberty to our lives. Amen? Anybody want liberty? Praise God. Anybody want to be free? Anyone want to smile at life and wake up with joy and, and shake off the burdens, amen, and not have to remember what lie you told yesterday, but just to live in the truth? When you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you say. This is good for all of us over 50. I can't remember anything. 
But the truth brings liberty. The truth shows spiritual authenticity. The, the truth brings freedom. Loving the truth enough to not lie is a mark of true discipleship. See, we'll stop lying when we love the truth more than we like the convenience of lying. Every believer must believe the truth, <clears throat> stand for the truth, live the truth, and love the truth, or when push comes to shove in certain circumstances, we won't tell the truth. People don't lie because they, you know, got into a, a, a situation where people say, oh, you know, I, I, I got caught off guard and I lied, or I, I slipped up and I lied. No, we lie because we haven't decided to tell the truth before we got into a situation where the heat was on. Are you getting this? Some things we have to decide about before, you know, we get into the situation. We have to make the decision to love the truth more than the convenience of lying. And that's when we'll tell the truth in love, regardless of the cost, regardless of the embarrassment, regardless of what the truth brings, we will choose the truth. We won't slip up, we won't be caught off guard, but we will be those who don't traffic in falsehoods. Sometimes the person we lie to the most is ourselves. You know, some of us are sitting out there and we would never think of lying to someone in authority. We'd never think of lying to our spouse. We would never think of lying to our coworkers, but we lie to ourselves all the time. And here's how we lie to ourselves. When, when we're spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally broken down and falling apart, and people say, how are you doing? And we say, I'm doing good. Not only did we just lie to them, but we lie to ourselves. When we're not doing good and we say we're doing good, we're lying to ourselves. When we're a spiritual hot mess, when we have no prayer life, when we don't read the word, when we're struggling with sin, when we're looking at things we shouldn't and we think, I'm okay, and we're not okay, we're lying to ourselves. Listen, if you're out there today and you're a mess and you're falling apart and you're being overcome by sin, and you're not okay, it's okay to not be okay. But if we pretend that we are, we're lying to ourselves. And if we lie to ourselves, we'll stay in bondage. Listen, nothing brings freedom to our lives than bringing the thing that we've hid in the darkness out into the light. Because once it's in the light, the Lord can heal it. The Lord can forgive it. The Lord can restore us. But if we hide that thing in the dark and we continue to lie about it and we're a mess and we say, I'm okay. Now, I realize some people ask how you're doing and they don't really want to know the answer. In fact, how you doing? And you start to talk and they've already gotten their car. I get it. Sometimes you don't tell your business to everybody, but we've got to have somebody we can be transparent with. We've got to have somebody we can be real with. We got to have somebody that we could tell the truth to. Because when we bring that thing that's hidden in the dark out into the light, God can heal it and God can restore us. But the person we lie to the most is usually ourself. I'll say this. What's even worse than lying to ourselves is lying to God. When God calls us to repentance and we say, I'm sorry, God, I repent. Yet we have no intention of changing our behavior. We're lying to God. When the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something in our life, when something leaps out of the word and, and, it, and it confronts us, it, it convicts us, and we know it was the Lord, and we just let it roll off, and, and we wait till it goes away because we have no desire or intention to change or to grow or to stretch or to repent. 
we're lying to God. Oh, God, I'm going to change. I'm going to do better. I'm never going to do that again, Lord. Worse than lying to ourselves is lying to God. You know, there, were two, there was a couple in the Bible, Ananias and Sapphira. Do you remember them? They lied to the Holy Spirit. You remember what happened to them? They got whacked. The Holy Spirit took them out, killed them dead. Read it in the book of Acts. Why? Because they lied. Oh, oh, they sold a piece of property, but they kept some of, most of the money for themselves and they gave a little bit to the church and they were like, oh yeah, we sold it and here's all, you know, we're just giving it to God. You know, we're just good givers. And, and what if they wanted to look good, but not be good? And, and, and Peter said to him, you, you guys, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And they died. Now, thank God that this is not a regular thing in the church. <laughs> this would be a much smaller crowd here today and there'd probably be no one behind the pulpit so the place would be clean but it wouldn't be as much fun God was trying to make a point here don't lie don't try to look good and not be good don't lie to the Holy Spirit and we should consider in the areas where God's confronted us yeah, I want to cry too in the middle of this message I totally understand <laughs> In fact, some of you are holding back from doing the very thing that that child did, so don't think bad of them. <laughs> but we've got, to, we've got to get real with God. We've got to get honest with God. And when we say we're going to change, when we're going to say we're going to repent, when we say we're not going to do it anymore, we've got to be sincere. We've got to be genuine. And in that, we'll stop lying to ourselves. We'll stop lying to God and the truth that Jesus talked about would set us free. Now, <clears throat> having said everything I said, we know lying's a sin, we know it's wrong, but I want to get into a little ethical, philosophical, existential viewpoint here that might throw us for a loop for a little bit. Now, most preachers might not do this, but I, I'm going to do it here today. It has been argued by certain you know, philosophers and existential writers that in certain instances, it's actually the moral thing to do to lie, that to tell the truth would have worse implications than to lie at that moment. Now, you all look, you're all like, oh, no, no, it's a trap. I'm not saying anything. Okay, let's run this scenario. You're, a, you're in Nazi Germany, and you have an attic full of 15 Jews, and the Nazi SS stormtroopers come to your door and say, are there Jews in your house? What are you going to do? Yep. I cannot tell a lie. There's 15 Jews in my attic and I'll pull down the steps. And Are you kidding me? Here's where we get into the ethical. Here's where we get into the existential, the philosophical. And we say, well, it's always a sin to lie. And so we always got to tell the truth. If we get dogmatic about it like that, then you'd have to stand at the door and say to the Nazis, yeah, they're in my attic. You go get them. And they kill them and they kill you. And you told the truth. And most of us would lie. And I want, to, I want to say this. We live in a fallen world with evil people and we have a fallen nature and sometimes the lines get a little blurry. So while you might be in a position where you think, I'm gonna lie in this spot, even though we think we have the moral high ground to do it, we still need to repent and ask God to forgive us. 
because it's still a sin. I don't know if that doesn't jog your mind just a little bit, if that doesn't make you think just a little bit. See the seriousness of the, the, the situations we live in in this fallen world? Yeah, it's always wrong to lie, but in some ethical situations, it might seem like the better thing to do. Now, listen, the Nazis aren't pounding on all of our doors. So we shouldn't be out there, yeah, well, I'm going to lie this time. Well, you're going to lie. Oh, yeah, that's uncomfortable. I'm going to lie. Yeah, I'm going to. No, this is just a, this is kind of just a, you know, a philosophical argument here to help us to understand that, you know, it's not so easy sometimes and that sometimes we do not tell the truth and traffic in a falsehood, but we always have to ask the Lord's forgiveness because it is a sin. One final thought today. Interestingly, both of the texts that we looked at concerning lying today include an element that I want to point out to you because they make an interesting point. Verse 25 says, speak the truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. See, there's something included in here about our neighbor. And then we go to Exodus 2016. It said, you shall not bear false witness against who? Come on, say it like you know it. Neighbor. It, and so the commandment says that you got to tell the truth to who? Your neighbor. And in the text here, it says that you got to tell your truth to who? The neighbor. Our text in verse 25 continues in a way that puts a little more meat on the bones. It says here that, you know, ridding yourself of falsehood, speaking truth, each one of you with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Wow, there's something in there. And this is the point I want to bring out as I close down today. Both of these texts mention lying when it has to do with our neighbor to our fellow man. The point is that lying does not just impugn the character of the liar or endanger the soul of the liar, but lying has deep societal implications as well. When you and I don't tell the truth to each other, we literally rip apart the very fabric that holds our society together. Why? Because if I lie to you and you lie to me and husbands and wives lie to each other and bosses lie and politicians lie and everybody lies, then we can't trust anyone. Then everyone's word is worth less. And when people would just lie to one another because it's convenient then we don't have any basis of truth in our society. Sounds like we're getting a message from heaven here. So understand there are societal implications of lying. So we don't sin in a vacuum. It has a ripple effect. And because lying is such a part of our culture, nobody trusts anybody. And people who have been lied to don't trust anybody. And when you've been lied to, it takes you a long time to trust even the closest to you. Lying is something we need to rid ourselves of. Lying is something that has no place in the life of the believer. And if we ever are put in a position where we do lie, we need to repent of it. We're, we're, we never have the moral high ground when we have to be in this spot to, that we, we feel like we can't tell the truth. Something is wrong with our society. It's wrong with who we are as a people. Let's bow our heads today. Father, in this series of ridding ourselves of things and making spiritual improvements in our lives, Lord, we realize that the first thing that's got to go is falsehood. 
God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Maybe some of us here have no issues with lying. We're not tempted to do it. We, we don't do it. it. It's something that maybe we've done a few times in our life. Uh, maybe there's other people here who uh, they can't help lying every day. They're telling half-truths. They're telling non-truths. They, 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 they feel like they can't tell the truth. Father, wherever we're at today, we bring our hearts before you and we repent of falsehood. We choose to partner with the Holy Spirit who wants to rid the people of God of falsehoods, of half-truths, of lying. We want to align ourselves with our true spiritual father, our, our father in heaven, creator of all things. We don't want to align ourselves with the devil who's a liar, who traffics in lies, who's the father of lies. And so rid us of lying, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise this morning.